Good morning. How are you? Hey, it is an honor to be here. I had the joy of being here about a year and a half ago. And Aaron said, we want you to come back. So he chose a Sunday in which he's not here. Don't know what that says about his thinking about my preaching. Put my watch right there. You know what it means when a pastor puts his watch there? Nothing. So, uh, hey, everybody have a great holiday. All right, let's just take a little survey. How many gained over 10? Over 10? Couple? Over Anybody over 15? There now? Nobody's going to admit that. How many stayed the same? We hate you. We're going to pray for you that you'll either gain or get delivered from the spirit of lying. One of the two. I don't know. I don't know which that is. So it's great to be here. I have my lovely wife, Nancy, with us. Uh, we left Jackson after the Christmas Eve service and uh, spent a little time at Fairfield Glade. Anybody know where Fairfield? It's where old people go. That's what, that's what that is. We also got to go up to Knoxville and see our grandbabies. So we're on our way back home. And, and um, I just could stay away a few more days, but we got to get back. So uh, open Bibles to John chapter 5. I want to start with one verse out of the book of Acts. We're preaching through the book of Acts. By the way, Pastor Aaron said this is the lively service. All right? So don't let him down. I don't want to give him any reports of people that were sleeping this morning or anything. But we're preaching through the book of Acts. Uh, We're still, I think we'll start chapter 8 next week. But there's a verse that I've always loved. I think it's great as we end the year and we look towards a new year. Acts 15, 26, it says this, talking about the apostles, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men who have risked, everybody say risk. There are three approaches to life. And as you look back, I think this is a great Sunday to look back for just a minute. You say, well, we never look back. If you don't look back, you can get in trouble. I was driving to Crossville the other day. We were almost there. And uh, all of a sudden, I look back. I was in the left-hand lane of the interstate, and I was doing 80 miles an hour. And uh, I look back, and there was a state highway patrol right on my tail. And as soon as I saw him, I I flipped my blinker and pulled over. And as soon as I pulled over, he pulled over and started to fly. I saw the light, all right? Let's just say I saw the light. And uh, I thought, oh, no, Nancy, I've got caught for speeding. And uh, he came and uh, he came to her side of the car, <laughs> which is, I don't know, I guess he didn't get want, want to get hit on the interstate. But uh, uh, he said, how long have you been driving in the left lane? And I said, uh, too long? <laughs> I, I really didn't know. He said, did you look back? I said, well, I, when I looked back, I saw you. I pulled over. He said, well, and he He talked about the importance of looking back. He said too many people, most accidents happen because people get in that left lane and they fail to look back and somebody gets, how many of you have ever been behind a driver in the left lane? Anybody? And you get frustrated, you start speaking in known tongues, you know what I'm saying? You know? And uh, so this morning we want to look back for just a second. I want to give you three words or three, three phrases and I want you to describe to yourself what last year was like. The Bible talks about those who take risk. And as we're going to believe God for greater things in 2019, the only way that's going to happen is if we're a risk taker. And so the three words are these, risk taker, everybody say it with me, risk taker. Second is caretaker. 
That's where we just kind of float along through life, just hope to get through another year. And the third one is undertaker. That's where we just let dreams die. Which one of those years would, words would describe last year? And, and, and let me just say this. Put a lid on last year. You can't change it, but you can change 2019. Which one of those words, risk taker, caretaker, or undertaker, do you want to describe 2019? I read this a few years ago. I love it. It talked about, it's called Lazy Boy or Risky Boys. It said, most Americans shun risk and seek comfort. This is evidenced by the fact that the number one selling chair in America is Lazy Boy. <laughs> Not Risky Boy, it's Lazy Boy. We worship comfort and security. We've seen, even developed a language of comfort. We say, I want to go home and I want to veg out. For some, their whole ambition is to live their lives like a vegetable. We become couch potatoes sitting at home watching TV while we sit in our lazy boys. And even in the church, they have pew potatoes. How sad that has to be to God. Oh, we justify our lack of rest by hiding behind our excuses. We, um, we blame God all the time that he's not looking out for us, that he's not taking care of us. God is looking for someone today that might be willing to say, hey, God, I may be small potatoes, but this spuds for you, and I'm going all in in 2019. I want to challenge you to go all in and to believe God that 2019, you say, you know what, every preacher. Last year, Aaron stood up here, and uh, he preached about how great 2018 is going to be, and and it was just an ordinary year like any other year. And the year before, somebody else preached, and it's the same thing. And now you're up there preaching about how great. Well, you know, how many, you know, you can just kind of get, be so familiar with the truth and what it means to believe God for great things and kind of sometimes take it for granted. And I believe with all of my heart as I think about this next year and think about the transitioning and and to, to what God has next for us and what God has next for the church. I believe that God wants us to go out on a, on a great year and a big year and a wonderful year. There's a story about a man who's been lame for all of his life and he's sitting. You all know the story. It's in John chapter 5. And I think there's four or five things we can learn from this man if we're going to make 2019 just an incredible year. Number one, we have to choose change over the familiar. We have to choose change over the familiar. John chapter 5, verse 6 says this, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sometimes we get so comfortable with our lameness that we don't really want to move on. I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to let go of your old identity in order to move into the new identity that God has for you? Are you willing to let go of what's always been so you can grab hold of what's never been? Are you willing to say, Lord, you know, I mean, it's comfortable. I've been there 25 years. Everybody in Jackson knows me. I know everybody in Jackson. It's been a great run. We could just coast, but that's not what God has. But in order for God to do some things he's never done, I have to be willing to do some things I've never done. And it's hard. Comfort has a lure about it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Comfort, has, uh, comfort is just comfortable. 
That's all you can say. It, it's just, it just lures you in. It wraps its arms around you. I love this old story. It's an old story, but maybe you haven't heard it. Jesus walked into a diner in Nashville, and a guy from Mississippi is sitting there. He can't believe his eyes, so he asked the waitress, Is that Jesus? So over. He says, I'd like to buy you a Coke, Jesus. And so Jesus thanks him, and the waitress brings Jesus a Coke, and and then another guy walks over and said, Jesus, I, I'd like to buy you. He's from Florida. said, I'd like to buy you some orange juice. And so he buys some orange juice. And then a guy from Arkansas comes in, and when he sees Jesus, he's overwhelmed. He says, Jesus, I'd like to buy you some sweet tea. So Jesus is just incredibly grateful for all the refreshments he's been given. And on his way out, he stops, and he sees the guy from Mississippi, and he walks over to the guy from Mississippi, and and says, thanks for that, thanks for that Coke, it was awesome. He said, I see that you have a hand that's in a cast. Can I touch that hand? And the guy said, of course. And Jesus touches his hand and instantly it's healed. And he goes over to the guy from Florida and he said, hey, thanks for that orange juice. And I see, I see that you have a broken foot. Can I touch that broken foot? And the guy says, thank you, yes. And boom, the, the broken foot is healed. Walks over to the guy from Arkansas and he says, Hey, I thank you for the iced tea. I see that you have a bad back. Can I touch your back? And the guy goes, no way. That would take away my disability. <laughs> All right, it's an old joke. <laughs> I didn't say it was an old funny joke. I just said it was an old joke. But it does bring up a question. Are you willing to let go of your disabilities in order to move forward with wholeness? There's a responsibility that comes with wholeness. There's a responsibility that comes that, that God wants us to uh, 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 do things we've never done. They gave me one that doesn't work at all. <laughs> oh, are we good? All right. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's funny. Uh, that's funny. We have to ask our to get back here. We have to change the familiar. <laughs> Hold the mic up higher. Thank you. That's why I love that lady. Most of the time. I mean all the time. She's kept me straight for a lot of years. Thank you. So, <laughs> so you have to choose change over the familiar. And then secondly, believers have to choose, if you're going to believe God for a great 29, you have to choose to stop hiding behind your excuses. You have to choose to stop hiding behind your excuses. John chapter 5 verse 7 says this, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Notice that he answers a question Jesus didn't ask. Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? And he begins to give the excuses why he can't get well. That's normal, isn't it? Somebody, Pastor Aaron, comes up to you and says, man, I, I believe that you could be the greatest children's church leader we've ever had. And uh, if you're willing, and we go, well, you don't understand. I don't have the education. I don't have the desire. I don't have the patience. I don't want to go get a murder record. I'm, you know, I just don't want to do that. And we, go, we hide behind our excuses. Jesus had asked in verse 6 if he wanted to get well. And that may seem like an obvious question. 
And the obvious question that God asks of us today is, do we want 2019 to be different than 2018? Do we really want 2019 to be different than 2018? And if we do, then that day of prayer that's coming up in a few days is a place we need to start. We can't have, what's the old saying? Is It's insanity to think that you can keep doing the same things you've always done and get different results. If we're going to get different results, we're going to have to change. We're going to have to stop hiding behind our excuses. The man could have said, but I've been sick so long. I have no one to help me. Others always beat me into the pool. The first step to making your life different is to quit hiding behind your excuses. But you know what? Excuses are are accepted in today's society. Our parents often teach us how to hide behind excuses as children. These are some actual excuses written by parents after their kids had stayed home from school. One said, please excuse Tommy from being absent yesterday. He had diarrhea and his boots leaked. If he had diarrhea that filled his boots, his boots leaking was not his problem. I understand, understand that. I love this one. This sounds like a little bitterness going on. Please excuse Timmy for being. It was his father's fault. Please excuse Lisa for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. We've all wanted to do that, don't you? Rick Warren, years ago in his classic book, The Purpose Driven Life, listed excuses that could have, people could have used in the Old and New Testament. He said, Noah was drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses was a murderer like David and Paul, Deborah was a woman, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David preferred to be uh, mad, pretended to be mad and had an affair and ran away from his own son. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran away from God. N Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. John the Baptist ate locusts. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. John was self-righteous. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary was so Jesus-minded she was no earthly good. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The boy with the fish and the rolls of bread was too unknown. The Samaritan woman divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had a stomach ulcer. Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Probably the greatest excuse we hide behind, and one that I've hid behind, and one that I've heard for over 40 years of ministry now, is, Pastor, you don't understand. I tried, and I failed. But just because you tried and failed doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means you're normal. It means you're normal. There's very few people that ever try anything and get it right the first time. You're in this room this morning sitting under lights because Thomas Edison didn't give an excuse every time he failed. He just kept trying. He just kept going forward. Are you willing to, to do whatever, it's ne whatever is necessary to make the changes in your life? Number three, seize the moment. Number three, seize the moment. John chapter 5 verse 8 said this, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pit up pick up your mat, and walk. John Wooden, the famous coach of UCLA, said, When opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 46 verse 17 says this of the king of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. He says, there they will say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, 
is a loudmouth who missed his opportunity. What opportunities are you expecting God to bring your way as we begin a new year? And are you ready for those opportunities? You've got to seize the moment. Judges chapter 3 talks about a different type of man. Mark Batterson preaches about him in his book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. After Ehud, Judges 3.31, after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat, he too saved Israel. All Shagar had was an opportunity and an ox goad. That's all he had. He could have, he could have, he, he, he didn't go around saying, well, if I had a spear, or if I had a sword, or if I had an armor bearer, or if I had this, or if I had that. He just used what he had. He had an opportunity and an ox goad, and he destroyed the enemy. I love this definition of success. Success is doing the best you can with what you have where you are. Let me say that again. Success is doing the best you can with what you have where you are. I get so tired of young pastors saying, but you don't understand. You have a good church and you have a strong income and you have people that have been with you for a long time. And I go, but we didn't start there. Somebody said to me recently, a young pastor, and I just wanted to lay hands on him suddenly and forcefully. And, and he's, he's, he's pastored three churches, two of which have been completely closed, and one of which he was asked to leave. And, and he says, I know he was, he's been given another opportunity to go and pastor a small church. And he was griping about it. And I, and I just said to him, I said, I love you. But you need to get a grip on reality. You're, you're not highly in demand right now. You know, uh, uh, the largest church in the state's not going to be calling you. What you need to do is be excited about the opportunity. He said, I just know that I have great destiny ahead of me. I said, so did, so did Mike Burnett in Columbia. But when he got there, they didn't have 4,000. They had 100. Not Columbia. Where is it? Mike Burnett. Clark, I don't really even care. I don't like Mike Burnett. No, I do. I like Mike Burnett. In Clarksville. But he started with a handful, and now it's 4,000. Maury didn't have a couple thousand when he started Cornerstone. But they started with what they have. Aaron didn't have anything when he started this church. And look at what you have now. You've got to seize the opportunity. If you've got an opportunity, that's all you need. If you've got an opportunity, that's all you need because God's already placed within you what you need to see that opportunity. Doesn't mean it has, it's developed yet. Doesn't mean it doesn't need work. Doesn't mean you're going to not have to learn some new skills. But you've got to seize the moment. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, 15 and 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of what? Every opportunity because the days are evil. I love Mark Batterson's first book in a pit, mentioned it earlier. And he talks about a relatively unknown person by the name of Benaiah that crawled down into a pit on a snowy day to slay a lion. And Batterson says this, here's the great irony about opportunities. They usually come disguised as insurmountable problems. They look like 500 pound lions that want to eat you for lunch. Or they look like 600 Philistines charging at you. 
To the average person, the circumstances presented to Benaiah were problems to run away from, not opportunities to be seized. To be seized. But Benaiah didn't see a 500-pound problem. He saw a lion skin hanging in his tent. Batterson goes on to say, seizing an, opportunity, seizing an opportunity usually feels like swallowing a whale or chasing a lion. But at the end of our lives, we won't regret the mistakes we made nearly as much as the opportunities we missed. Let me say that again. At the end of our lives, we won't regret, we won't regret the uh, mistakes we made nearly as much as the opportunities we missed. What opportunity has God set before you? The key to recognizing opportunities is praying for and expecting great opportunities to arise. Let me say that again. The key to recognizing opportunities is to begin to pray and expect and to ask God for big opportunities and then to begin to look around for those opportunities. We don't expect much from God because we aren't asking for much. God wants us to ask him for greater things. Last night I was laying there after watching Alabama survive, and so thankful they did, against the Sooners. And I was laying there and, and I was praying for this next year. And one thing that we've never seen, we've seen a lot of fruit and we're very thankful for it. But one thing we've never seen in, in the history of our ministry is 100 people saved and baptized in one year. And, you know, I look back, it's 44 years now since I've been in full-time ministry. That's a long history of not seeing 100 people baptized in one year. But yet that's what God's heart for next year. And I could easily sit there and allow the enemy to talk me out of believing for that and to talk me out of talking about it and to talk me out of expecting it. But you know what? I'm not going to base my last year on what the first 44 have been like. I'm going to base it on what God's put in my heart. What opportunities, what expectancies are you believing God for? We need to believe God. We need to ramp our faith up. We need to, we, we need to trust the Lord that he can do greater things. Don't let yesterday's disappointments keep you from believing God for greater things in this next year. Fourthly, Take the leap of faith. Take the leap of faith. Not only seize the moment, but then you got to step out and take that leap of faith. John chapter 5, verse 9. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. He took the leap of faith. The Lord said to him, you can be healed. He grabbed that moment. And then he got up. And he did what everybody in this room has to do. If we're going to be used by God, we've got to be willing to take the first step. Now, it's a miracle that he's standing. He, as far as we know, he's never stood in his entire life. But there's a difference between standing and walking. And isn't it amazing how the enemy will convince us that, oh, God may be able to help you stand, but you'll never be able to walk. And we just got to look the devil in the face and take that first step and then take the next step and then take the next step. We've got to take the leap of what is it that God is calling you to do? In 2012, Felix Baumgartner set a world record when he took the highest leap ever attempted with a 24-mile high free fall from space. He actually, this is talking about skydiving, he actually broke the sound barrier during his fall. Now that's what I call a leap of faith. 
as we prepare to end 2018 and head into 2019, God may be calling you to take a leap of faith. For some of you, it may be to begin to tithe. Deborah did such a good job talking about the tithe and sharing how this is your home church and thanking you for, your, for, the, for the, uh, bringing your tithe into the storehouse as well as supporting other ministries. But, you know, I don't know what it is. I, uh, that's one thing that I was taught as a child. My parents in Manchester, Tennessee, taught me to tithe, so that's never been an issue for us. But if you've never done that before and it's been a tough year, you couldn't make it on 100% last year and got asking top it can, be, it can be a challenge. But that's where you take the step of faith. That's where you take the step of faith. And I want to tell you that I've done that for, 40, or for over 50 years now in my life. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. I can tell you we've done it as a church. During the good times and the bad times, we always give the top 10% to missions. Why? Because we believe in a God that said he will supply all of our needs if we'll trust him. We've been considering stepping into a ministry. See, this church is not just as strong as Pastor Aaron. He's a great leader, and, and, and he, he is a key part. But this church will only be as strong as everybody sitting in these chairs this morning. And if we expect the few people that are on staff that get paid for being good to be the strength of this church, you have to understand it's those that... Those of you that are good for nothing that have to be good. Some of you will get that later. Okay. And there's a ministry that every one of you has. And you say, well, I've never had a ministry. Well, you have. You just haven't used the ministry. You just haven't stepped out into the ministry. And God's calling you like he called this man to get up and to start walking. The greatest risk that you could ever take in your life. And we sang about it earlier. I love the worship. Thank you, Pastor Aubrey. But the greatest question and the greatest risk we could ever take is to ask the question, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with my life in 2019? But you know what? There's an even greater risk, and that's not asking that question. Let me say that again. God wants us to ask the question, Lord, what do you want to do in my life in 2019? But the greater risk is not asking that question. We won't come alive in the truest and fullest sense until we die to self and we, find our, and we won't find ourselves until we lose our, ourselves in Christ. It's time to ante up. It's time to go all in. If Jesus is not Lord at all, then he's not Lord at all. It's all or nothing. It's now or never. You can't buy all in without selling all out. See, destiny is not a mystery. It's a decision. And you are only one decision away from a totally different life. What risk do you need to take? What sacrifice do you need to make? We must learn that indecision is a decision, that inaction is an action. God cannot reveal his faithfulness and, uh, until we exercise our faith. I challenge you to make today, the 29th of December, the last day of your old life, and the first day, or, or 30th, what is this? The 30th. Make yesterday the last day of your old life, and make today, the 30th, Tell Aaron he brought in a pulpit pounding Pentecostal. 
That'll shake him up on it. All right. Make this the first day. In his book, God Still Moves Stones, Maxwell Cato says, the options are clear. On the one side, there's the voice of safety. You can build a fire in the hearth, stay inside, stay warm, dry, and safe. You can't get hurt if you never get out, right? You can't be criticized if you don't try, right? You can't fail if you don't take a stand, right? You can't lose your, your balance if you never climb, right? So don't try it. Just take the same safe route. Or you can hear the voice of adventure, God's adventure. Instead of building a fire in your hearth, build a fire in your heart. Follow God's impulse. Accept, adopt that child. Move overseas. Teach the class. Change careers. Run for office. Make a difference. Sure, it's not safe, but what is? See, you think staying inside out of the cold is safe? Jesus disagrees. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, is what Jesus said. I love the words of General Douglas MacArthur when he was 78. He said, nobody grows old by merely living a number of years. People grow old by deserting their ideas. Years may wrinkle the skin, but to give up wrinkles the soul. I wonder how many of you in this room are staying in jobs that you hate because it's comfortable and it's safe. How many are in relationships that are damaging your life, but at least they're familiar? How many have stayed in a career path or at the same school because it's comfortable? Or the worst thing of all is that many are doing absolutely nothing because we're afraid to do anything lest we fail. I want to challenge CIL. I want to challenge you as we end 2018 and begin 2019 to take the risk to do something you've never done before and see what God does when you take that step of faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I, I believe I've shared what you put in my heart for today. Father, I don't know the wonderful people that make up this church. I don't know the ones that are sitting here. I don't know if everybody in this room comes all every week or if there are guests that are here for the first time. But one thing I do know is that you're calling us to something new. You're calling us, Lord, to a step of obedience that maybe we've never been willing to take. And I pray for those especially today, Lord, that have never opened their heart and believed in you. Believe that your death on the cross provided for our sins. I pray that this morning they would take that step of faith. God, I pray that they would cross that line and they'd say, I'm not going to be a doubter any longer. I'm going to be a believer. I'm going to trust that what Jesus did on the cross paid in full the debt of my sin. If you're here today and that's you and you need to step across that line, you don't have to join this church. You don't have to march forward. You just have to make that decision in your heart right now. And you can do it this morning. I encourage you to do it. Say, this year, I'm going to believe. This year, I'm not going to doubt. I don't have all my questions answered, but who does? I'm going to, in spite of my questions, I'm going to take the leap of faith. And I'm going to move forward. If that's you, can we, you just pray this prayer with me? Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that when you died on the cross, your death was for me. 
I believe that when you shed your blood, your blood paid the penalty for my sin. I don't understand that. And it's hard to comprehend how you could love us so much. But Lord, this morning, I choose to believe it. And I choose to accept it. And I'm giving my heart and my life to you this morning, Lord. Come into my life. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. And help me live a godly, Christ-like life through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.